This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio. Carm Capriato here. And our goal, as you know, is always to advance the service aftermarket by supporting your business acumen and personal and professional development one episode at a time. And welcome to a milestone, the 800th episode. Who would have thought March 2015? 800th episode. Couldn't have done it without you, number one, most important, my listener, and all the great partners and sponsors we've had through the years. Now, many have asked me to learn a little bit about my life, my world, and I remember doing an episode, the 300th episode, 500 ago, and I was asked questions. It was my first personal type interview, and uh, I think I had about five or six podcast alumni on, and uh, it was it was a great episode. If you want to learn a little bit, uh, listen to the 300th. If you went to Apex 2022, then you realized the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional. Joe's Garage is your place with 10 working bays as you experienced real live working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software had their latest and greatest for you. You also attended technical and business management training with the industry's best and brightest. Now, work is underway to make next year's Apex 2023 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Nothing tells a customer that they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or a broken one in their hands. How do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. GetShopware.com. So I started writing down stories from special times in my world and my life as a podcaster. I was amazed at how many stories I came up with that would tell some great behind-the-scenes story on certain podcast episodes and on some monumental moments in my life, in Anne's life, that are worth telling because there is value in the lesson that I learned. And that's the only reason that I think I'll ever come on and do this. So you'll find some My World stories from time to time on the podcast episode. Now, today is one of those very personal stories. This is a story on adoption. I've told this many times in private, and I've been encouraged to tell it on a podcast. Now, let me preface this story. Our two incredible children, Matt and Tracy. Matt, 35 years old, a school counselor, married to Caitlin with two great kids, Donovan and Alana, great grandkids, the light of our lives, nothing like being grandparents. And of course, Tracy, 
my right hand in the business, director of content and producer of the entire Aftermarket Radio Network, who's getting married in September 2023 to Garrett Hicks. Needless to say, I'm not telling you this story without the huge contribution of my wife, Anne. She's such a critical player in this story and the decision that we made in raising our children and starting a family. I owned a business during the adoption process, and of course, I still do. And during the kids' formative years, I traveled for work. Anne was at home. She made a huge difference since I was often absent. So I'm grateful to St. Anne, as Bill Nalu likes to call her. So this is about international adoption or interracial adoption. This is our family story, and I'm sure some can relate to the infertility side of our story, but maybe not the adoption side. I'm sharing this to help couples who, for different reasons, can't have children and who may be inspired by our journey. Of late, we've covered many personal stories and situations on the Aftermarket Radio Network, and the feedback has been awesome. We've covered some really Interesting, tough topics. The real world can be tough, but the stories we've told, in particular from Matt Fonslow and Chris Cotton, have resonated hugely with so many listeners. Let me start with a huge memory that helps sum up our decision to have a family of our own. It comes from being in public with the kids when people would say, wow, how lucky those kids are. And we knew that we were the lucky ones. There comes a time in an infertile couple's quest to have children to face the reality that they aren't destined to have children biologically. When that reality hits, it helps you move on to acceptance and to other options to have a family. Daily stress gets lifted. We know people and have heard stories that once the stress is gone or they adopted a child, then they had a biological child. For us, that didn't happen. None of our doctors, Anne's infertility doctor and my urologist, could find any reason we could not conceive. And during the height of our trials and practicing what the doctors are telling us, whenever Anne ovulated, I needed to run home. I tell my people that I needed to go to a meeting and that I'd be back in a few hours. This on-demand lovemaking was part of our regiment, especially when the biological time was calling for action. I won't forget the procedures that Anne had and to see my swimmers in the microscope at the urologist, no reason we could not conceive on either part. So adoption was our path. Here's how it all happened and how we started our family. In a small way, I hope this story is a help to you, a friend, a co-worker, or you get a different perspective on adoption. Here's the story trying for years, about 10 years, to have a family doctor treatments, tests, and surgeries, as I said. So Anne goes and visits her mom, and, and her mom's watching public TV and a program on international adoption. She says, Anne, sit down, watch this, don't say a thing. So she did. In two days, we're at the house of the couple who were on TV. Anne came home, told me the story, and we had to move on this. We met their children, and we learned so much that gave us a glimmer on a path to a family. We joined an adoption support group. We looked into child and family services, Catholic charities, domestic, and all different countries for adoption options. Our next step was in vitro. 37 years ago, super costly, and that was one of those, hey, you never know moments that you kept trying, and we just didn't have the money, not even sure it was covered by insurance 
I don't think so at the time. It was very expensive, and so we decided to save and invest in the sure thing, our adoption journey. We settled on South Korea, and the 18-month journey began. Application started, the FBI report, fingerprinted, social worker visits twice announced, one unannounced, wrote our biography and shared with each other. Parenting school, man, I was against it. Then I loved it. It should be required for every couple that is to have a child. It opened my eyes. It was an 18-month process. As I said, we completed all the forms, participated in all the processes, got our medical clearance, and, and spent a lot of money relevant to the times of the late 80s. As I said earlier, we joined an adoption support group called Ours. It allowed us to hang with other adoptive parents and their children. We had events for kids, fundraisers, holiday parties, and support helped us know what we didn't know about the adoption process. Kind of like being group coached, getting to know what is around the next corner. I liken it to a networking or a 20 group of today. Now, we had requested that our first adopted child was going to be a girl. Now, this is a significant part of our story. Keep this in mind. So the big wait, months ticked on. In the early summer of 87, 1987, already about 16 months into the adoption process, I decided to call the agency and ask what our timeline looked like. Now, the reason when we get a call to go to Kennedy Airport to get our child, we have like one day's notice. Hey, Carm, man, you're, you're going to have to be at Kennedy tomorrow. So I didn't want my team to already have vacations planned or already on a vacation when and if I had to leave the business. So we wanted to know how much longer, basically, uh, we would have to wait. Well, the agency told us that we had at least two or three months yet to wait for our girl. Remember, we requested a girl. I was told that if we accepted a boy, we would have the next boy that came into the agency on Monday morning. And this was a Friday. And I needed to tell them on Monday morning if we change our minds. Well, I called Ann and told her, and we just basically said, let's do it. It was a simple decision. Let's not wait. We're ready to start our family. So I called the agency and told them that we decided on the boy. We got a call later that day and we're told all about him. They forwarded the package to our social worker who was a little upset that we already knew. Part of the joy of the social worker experience is to be the first to tell the new parents. And the process of becoming parents of an internationally adopted child for us began. We took the packet, the trip to the doctor to review the medical reports provided by the orphanage. We got the doctor's blessing and we just waited for the scheduled plane trip for Matt to the U.S. Matt was born in May of that year, and this is right around August. So we're on our way. We got the date that our son Matt was going to arrive at Kennedy Airport, and we got our plane ticket. It was recommended by our adoption support group to call the airlines and find out if our child made it on a flight out of Seoul. Now keep in mind, this is 1987. I called TWA, Trans World Airlines, a major international airline of the time, and asked if this child was on the flight. Now, can you imagine today doing that? It never happened. What do you think they told me? Sir, we cannot tell you that. 
The agency had given us the flight number that was direct from Seoul, South Korea, to Kennedy. So I explained that our son was on that flight. Here's the number. And we needed to board a plane in a few hours to meet him in New York City at Kennedy. Could you please, please, I asked. I was somewhat emotional. I couldn't help it. We're about to be a family. She put me on hold. It felt like an eternity. Anne looks at me and asks, what did you hear? Nothing at that point. I told her. Then the operator came back on and she said he wasn't on that flight. My heart sank. What could have happened? How much longer do we have to wait? She put us on hold again. It was an eternity. I'm explaining to Anne what I knew. The operator came back on and said, I found him. We put him on a different flight out of Seoul, and he will arrive in Chicago, go through customs, and he's booked into Kennedy on a later flight, she told us. Wow, <laughs> what a relief. I called the adoption agency, and they told me I was wrong. If that were the case, they would have been notified, so we are extremely concerned and now in limbo. TWA's got to know why doesn't the agency. So I'm going to go with the TWA information. I'm confident in that. I got a call back from the agency after about an hour, and they confirmed that I was right and asked me how I knew, and so I explained. And they said, you must have been a great salesperson to convince TWA, customer service, to tell you this stuff. Maybe it was the emotion in my voice since we were about to start our family. We just didn't want to wait any longer. So we get to Kennedy. The plane arrives from Chicago. About five adoptive children came off the plane with their sponsors, U.S. Army soldiers who were coming home for leave, and they're in charge of the child. We discover the flight attendants and soldiers spoil the kids on the flight over. So the children come off last. They call off the child's name, and the matchups happened to the parents. Matt's arms were open as Anne approached him. It was just meant to be. After hugs and pictures, it was changing time. Fresh diaper and a fresh PJ. Anne brought five outfits, not knowing which Matt would fit into. The only one that fit was a baseball PJ set. Then we boarded the plane back to Buffalo. It was late in the day. We were greeted at the airport by family and friends, including friends from our adoption support group. Very emotional roller coaster that started 18 hours earlier, but actually 18 months earlier. Life had changed. So the story continues, and on to a stumble in the force to get Tracy. Life goes on, assimilating your new child into your home and family, as every parent knows. We continued to participate in our adoption support group, and we heard the devastating news about South Korean adoption. After bad publicity during the 1988 Seoul Olympics, South Korea, which had been allowing adoptions to the U.S. since the 50s, temporarily banned overseas adoption. The remark of sports commentator Brian Gumbel that the country's greatest commodity for export was its children likely helped trigger this policy change. Oh my God, will we ever get our girl? There's no time to waste. We needed to apply right now and get on the list just in case South Korea opens up U.S. adoptions again, and who knows how long it would last and if it would ever open up again. So following the Olympics, the government reconsidered after they tried in-country adoptions 
and uh, they were back at it. So we already applied, and once they opened up adoptions, our name on the list kept rising. Therefore, 22 months apart, Tracy arrives only nine months after we started to apply. Remember, Matt was 18. Her arrival was not as dramatic or dynamic as Matt's as far as the airplane stuff, but we had to take a buzz bomber prop plane back home to Buffalo, and she was very, very sick on the flight. We remember that. The same greeting at the airport, friends and family, as we arrived around midnight. We're so blessed to first be parents and then have a family, and I often think of how much Matt and Tracy have filled our lives. Did they have to deal with crap from people as they were growing up? Sure they did. We did our best to help them through it when they shared their hurt. They had a strong friend network, but kids and some adults can be cruel. It hurts them and us as their parents just as hard. We sometimes don't consider that everyone has a story and all individuals are unique in their very own way. When Ann would shop with the kids in the shopping cart, people would stop and ask if they were brother and sister. Think of that. Ann would answer yes. Imagine if two Caucasian children were sitting in a basket with a Caucasian mom pushing the cart. Would they be asked if the kids were brother and sister? Not. I understand their curiosity of the question. However, think of the kids. Why should they question if they were brother and sister? It boggles my mind that people would ask such personal questions. There are stages of life we all go through. And as an international adoptive family, some of those challenges are a touch harder. We got through them, but personal resiliency can help minimize the scars. I would do it again over and over. It was a great choice to have our family this way. Matt and Tracy are professionals in our very diverse world today. They're doing great. I'd welcome any dialogue you would have on being an adoptive parent. I'm here for you. We've got the joys to share and the challenges that life tossed at us that make us so, so proud of our children and our decision. Remember this adoption prayer. Not flesh from my flesh, nor bone of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Never forget for a single minute you grew not under my heart, but in it. Thanks for listening to Our Adoption Story. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 